Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Food, Politics, and Federal Overreach this Friday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I'm hoping everybody out there is safe and sane and you're prepping for a nice, lovely, warm weekend for sure. Now, Michael was diving for lobster when a humpback whale caught him in its mouth. He pushed back in the darkness as the whale's muscles squeezed against him. He thought he was a goner. But whales don't prefer lobstermen. And 30 seconds later, the whale spit Michael out into the air. Amazingly, Michael had no broken bones, only extensive bruises, and one whale of a story. He wasn't the first. Jonah was swallowed by a huge fish, and he stayed in its belly for three days before being vomited onto the land. Unlike Michael, who was caught by accident, Jonah was swallowed because he hated Israel's enemies and didn't want them to repent. When God told Jonah to preach in Nineveh, he caught a boat going the other way. So God sent a whale-sized fish to get his attention. I appreciate why Jonah hated the Assyrians. They'd harassed Israel in the past, and within 50 years, they'd carried the northern tribes into captivity where they'd vanished forever. Jonah was understandably offended that Assyria might be forgiven. But Jonah was more loyal to the people of God than to the God of all people. God loved Israel's enemies and wanted to save them. He loved our enemies and wants to save them. With the wind and of the Spirit at our backs, let's sail towards them with the good news of Jesus. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you're a loving God. Please show us how to love our enemies as you love them. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Probably one of the hottest pieces of talked about news here over the last week. Oh, but we can't is, get to that. It's 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 hot, but we, we forgot to cover uh, oh, a couple the of local things. thing. Yes, yeah, please. we had a couple. Okay, so well, we actually real local Spokane County Republican Party this last week actually did elections mm-hmm. through a reorganization. Yeah, it went through a, an organizational meeting where you know they picked a new chair, a new vice chair, state committee man, I believe, retained his position. A lot of new faces. Yeah, a lot of new faces in the local Republican Party. I know I saw a, I guess I could say a fellow media person in there since yeah. we're, we, we do a little media here with Daniel Walters yes was yes. there from the uh, inlander. From the inlander yeah and I think he was there expecting sparks to fly. Really? And, you know, I, I think there were some people that were upset with the outcome because their candidate they voted for didn't win. But, you know, the election was held very orderly. I mean, there were some people that wished the voting went faster, but, you know, you had to provide ID. <laughs> you had to be in person and... And uh, they had a, even though uh, these are people that you known for the last 10, 15, 20 years, and they know you and your family's names showing, by heart, and still showing ID, still got to show your ID, man. And you have to be there or send a proxy and do the right process. But all the ballots were hand counted and then re hand counted. And so uh, it's a process. But you know, other than maybe some people that were not quite happy with the outcomes, I think it went pretty smoothly. And you have mostly new GOP 
board in place. And of course, all the elected PCOs that were elected this last primary election cycle, the vast majority of them were there. But there's definitely a lot of openings to be a PCO. And if you want to get involved with your local Republican Party, BokanGOP.com, look them up. You know, you want to get involved, you can go and look at maps to see if there is a PCO, a precinct committee officer in your area. If there's not, you can get appointed to become a PCO. And that process is not, you know, widely advertised by even the political establishment, if you will. Sure. Or the government in the fact that people can be, you know, active in their local government and affect change. Uh, You can get people involved in a, a myriad of ways, whether it's with elections or policy processes. If you have an elected representative that, you know, gets put in prison or you know, retires, whatever, there's a process to appoint a new person to fill that, whether it's a legislative seat, a Senate seat, that sort of thing through the political party process. So people are interested, they can go look that up. Another big thing that happened locally was energy bills. Oh no, that's not locally. That was Seattle Times, but Seattle Times, I don't know why they're admitting this when they keep printing stuff about tearing out dams and they, you know, not, I, maybe they're going to start putting more pressure on the representatives about that, but people are spending record numbers on their utility bills. And, uh, in the last year or so, 1.3 million Washington residents cut their energy spending and spent less money on things like food and medicine. Absolutely, man. So, I mean, you know, those old wives tales and those old jokes that we used to joke around and share, you know, with regard to, you know, grandma's got a decision to make. I mean, she's either going to buy her medicine, uh, buy some utilities to keep her place warm, or... You know, she's going to buy some food so that she can continue to eat. I mean, it's getting to that once again, ladies and gentlemen. Well, and and speaking of food, so we, you know, we called the show something food, right? (laughs) Shoving food up the, or in the federal's face or no that wasn't the name of the show no no. but it included food sure and you were talking about uh you know our is our elderly population going to buy food or are they going to buy medicine or are they going to uh you know their homes heat their homes well the city government is now more involved with food because the city did approve we talked about it on the show a while back about the uh putting a cap on how much food delivery services can charge now this was a five to two vote on the city council and of course what's interesting about this is that restaurants will be basically doordash and grub hubs and things of that nature that operate in the city of spokane which is obviously going to cause a problem because there's a lot of residents and business right around the edges of the city sure who's going to be going to be enforced on and who isn't it how is the city going to track it and enforce it so and this is the biggest problem with government the government does all of these wonderful things that you know if you put it up on the wall right next to communism and socialism that look good on paper they're great ideas for government to step in and protect the consumer. Well, I think government should do consumer protection, but if they have no enforcement ability, then they just basically threw smoke up in the air. Yep, you betcha, man. Or up the trousers of their their uh, political donors and friends because there's nothing that I see that can help them enforce whether this happens or not because even in the ordinance, it says that restaurants can cannot be charged more than 15% of the purchase price of an order unless the business agrees to pay more for additional services such as advertising. So it's basically back to a private agreement. 
So there's yes, a, it is. There, there's a thing there. So and I'm wh- surprised it was a five to two vote, Tim, because you know again I don't quite have the same grasp on the backgrounds of the current council members as I did when I was serving. But we do know, and I'll t- use this as an example, council member Karen Stratton. Okay. All through my terms, uh, it was the big joke. She was the pot farmer. Okay, fine. It's legal in Washington state. I get it. Thing of it is though, council member Stratton, how could you vote to put a cap on food delivery services? Wouldn't that be the same as somebody putting a cap on your pot getting sold to a distributor well i mean that's the thing how would you like that to happen the the more government gets involved with things i mean it's not in my mind it's no difference and we're talking this is business man well but there's just going to be less business there's going to be less things for the consumer because the government gets in there and you know, it's, I, you know, there's a couple of businesses I thought about engaging in, or we had a business at one time. And the big thing that keeps me from wanting to start a business in Washington state is not just the taxes, but it's the heavy regulatory burden. And now you got all these municipal governments that traditionally, if you look back 10, 20, 30 years ago, most things were not done at the city level they were the state level if they were business regulations sure the cities you know they do different zoning things they do a few things but now it's it's just massive it's a lot for people to try to figure out so interestingly i mean obviously they had to admit that this uh food delivery service fee of 15 percent unless the business agrees to more so why does the city government need to get involved anyways the business going to agree to more anyhow 95 percent of all third-party food delivery service in spokane according to doordash uber eats and grubhub had a option for restaurants that would charge no more than 15 percent commission but the restaurants were deciding to pay the higher percentage so that they could get put higher up on those business websites sure sure you bet but I, I don't know. I, I think it's crazy to the, the cost of everything already. Trying to get government involved and create regulation that just increases the cost is even crazier. But, you know, we've got the federal government that's going to jump in and help us out, right? Yeah, you betcha, man. Yeah, at all levels for sure. For sure. All right, folks, jumping back into probably, again, like I said, probably one of the hottest stories, uh, most talked about stories in media circles for the last week. As you folks uh, probably already heard, Brittany Griner, who is a WNBA player, ended up knowing what the law was, ended up breaking the law anyway, possession of THC, the active psychoactive substance in marijuana, in uh, some vapes and stuff like that that she had in her luggage. She ended up going through a trial. I believe that she drew something like nine to 11 years hard labor. She ended up over in a hard labor camp in Siberia of all places and about middle of last week, she was the benefactor of a prisoner exchange that occurred between Russia and the United States, the Biden administration. And get this, Tim, the guy that Russia wanted in exchange for Brittany Griner, who once again is just a very woke lesbian basketball player, if you will, that, ha- that, that smokes happened, pot. And, and that happened to hate America. That because hates America. Did not want the national anthem. The national, yeah, right, yeah, all all that, that stuff. Just so woke. It's, <laughs> again, you go woke, you go 
go broke, man. I mean, and she pretty much was there, well, except, boy. Except she's not going to now because now every now she's going to be on the TV talk show circuit. You know, with all oh, the yeah. left leaning TV shows. I don't know oh, if the viewers a, had her on. I don't care, but I'm I sure that they would. She's already got dozens of emails for books. Yeah, you know who knows? Maybe the likes of Nike or Adidas stepped up with some kind of a sponsorship package. You know, to make her a hundred million dollars richer or something right but boy i tell you it, you know to to i wonder who's gonna play her in the movie <laughs> yes <laughs> there's always that part that could very well happen and you know it ain't gonna come from hallmark <laughs> and, and you know it might you, come from disney you think about all of the yeah disney uh, i i it probably would come from disney at this point in time <laughs> but you, you think about all of the old movies where you know it was the russians right yeah, you know the, yeah. the action movies that you know the the russians were the bad guy who's going to play the bad russians in that movie oh that's a real good question it's all going to be like prison guards and bureaucrats and stuff there's not I, i'm wondering where's the action piece going to be well i'll tell you the action piece is going to be the uh, the arms dealer the, oh, that's right. The, the criminal, the, the Russian arms dealer, you know, who is also nicknamed in the world, okay, the Merchant of Death. The Merchant right? of Death, yeah. And you know Russia has been having their problems right now with Ukraine. The Russians have had to basically get into the old footlocker and whip out Warsaw Pact-era weapons. Right. And, you know, weapons, we're talking rifles and pistols and small arms type stuff. And I mean, we're talking old, old 50, stuff. 50, 60 year old stuff. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. So why not why negotiate not? for the release of a global world renowned arms dealer? Well, but, you know, America, we in America, we realize that competition, Mike, is healthy. And mm -hmm. right now, I mean, we left $85 billion worth of a military hardware yes an armament you know down in afghanistan for the taliban and the people in the middle east to wage war on each other with. right we only and, inspect 10 uh, percent of the shipments going to ukraine for our well, you know weapons support but, and the what billions of dollars of weapons support that we sent to ukraine i mean america's the largest arms dealer right now i mean you, gotta let, you, got, you can't imprison an arms dealer your competition and then go out there and try to take over the world well how about with, this, with, with arms i mean it's not like we're taking over the world we're just delivering enough arms that half of it could get blown up sure, and taken sure. over and then again how can you sit in the presidential office and say look uh, we're going to go ahead and agree to this exchange of this world-renowned arms dealer okay known as the merchant of death and then the next thing you're going to do is to look at the american people and regulate our second amendment rights yeah i don't what? i don't think biden sat there and did that <laughs> i think when somebody didn't think that one through when biden signed it he says and what's this one for and they said well you like basketball right you're helping out the sport oh good 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 okay next oh yeah oh and this one here joe uh, that one's to, uh, to save the puppies oh i love puppies that's right yeah, yeah. i get it uh, <laughs> all right well we're gonna have to bark about that during the break we'll be right back to our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars post-1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487-3784. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Food 
politics and federal overreach this Friday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Yeah, that's right. Now we were uh, barking through the break and now it's time to uh, howl at the federal government and And their overreach for sure. And their overreach and the stuff that they're doing. Who wants to pay for this stuff? And the fact that they're even talking about doing it means we've already paid a bunch for it. Yep. You betcha, man. All right, your next headline, ladies and gentlemen. Federal appeals court bars the Biden administration from forcing Catholic groups to provide transgender care. This is the second federal appeals court to block the Department of Health and Human Services from using Obamacare to mandate transgender medical care. And I'll tell you something, folks. You know, I wish I had the wherewithal to grab the accompanying article, but Part of this policy that came from the Department of Health and Human Services and Obamacare also was touching Christian doctors who were expected to participate in transgender surgeries. Now the federal appeals court is protecting those doctors as well as protecting Catholic groups from providing those transgender care. So here's a little taste of that story. A federal appeals court on Friday permanently blocked the Biden administration from requiring religious doctors and hospitals to perform transgender medical services that violate their conscience, becoming the second court to do so. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit affirmed a lower court ruling in favor of the plaintiffs in Sisters of Mercy versus Becerra, a case concerning a coalition of Catholic groups who have challenged the Biden administration's attempt to invoke the Affordable Care Act to prohibit doctors and hospitals from discriminating against transgender patients. The Catholic groups, which include hospitals, a university, and nuns who run health clinics, say the Biden administration's rule violates their free exercise of religion. An August ruling from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals similarly held that the federal government cannot force Christian medical organizations to perform abortions or gender transition surgeries under the Affordable Care Act. So there you go, Tim. I mean, that is a huge win for religious freedoms for sure. Well, I think, you know, obviously the government has a lot of mandates on different industries kind of like the pharmaceutical industry you got to test products for a long period of time and you know it should do like double blind tests and you know the all sorts of different tests to make things safe for the consumer and i understand that i mean the government should have a role in consumer protection and holding entities accountable when consumers are damaged Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. this is one of those places where i think they're doing the opposite where yeah. obviously they're damaging the healthcare consumer because they're leading people down a path that's going to cause permanent damage. Right. It's like cutting off an irreversible ir- damage. Ir- yeah. Like I, I always thought I should have been born with just one arm, Mike. <laughs> yeah, right. My left arm does nothing most of the time. <laughs> Why can't I just remove it? I want to be a right arm person. I mean, they already say I'm a right winger. Why do I need my left arm? <laughs> why, why can't Why can't I get the government? healthcare system to demand that that be a surgery that can be done yeah they have to cover you bet i mean it all depends on what you identify as i mean my right shoulder <laughs> my right shoulder hurts sometimes maybe if you took the arm off of it, it wouldn't be hanging there all the time there you go yeah and you yeah. know what they say man if thy arm offend thee pluck thy arm from thee <laughs> sure yeah. so i mean but but this is the madness i mean we, we could probably make this debate if there was enough right-handed people that hated their left arm (laughs) and we could try to get all the left-handed people to pay for the removal of our left arm yeah right why not that's i mean that's exactly what what we're we're talking about here it sounds insane 
Because it is. Yeah. And so obviously, and, and forcing people to do business they don't want to do like doctors. Okay. So you're going to force doctors that have a private business practice and maybe they don't want anything to do or, or churches, hospitals, maybe they do specialized medicine. What if they don't do back surgeries? Right. What if they're only, you know, a specialty group that deals with uh, oncology, some other kinds of medicine, and they don't do services for that kind of health care. Right. Quote, air, air quotes. So <laughs> you're going to demand people practice something that they don't even want to practice. Right. That's like demanding baseball players play basketball. <laughs> they don't play basketball so I, the whole thing is insane really yes on its and it's not even just take away the ideological thing let's say we don't care about the issue itself even though we do and we think that it's wrong to damage especially children with all this transitioning garbage but think about it from the medical perspective of government coming in and mandating not that you do something against again put the moral side off to the to this over here that you know, nobody wants to damage the children and all that stuff. What if you don't want to be involved in that kind of medicine? Right. You're, you're well, a private I, business. I, I think you basically get forced out. You know, you don't, you don't get any Medicare, Medicaid, certain uh, grants that are made available, you know, to various entities or individuals. But, but hold on. Doctors. They, they, they keep saying that we're short. I healthcare know. staff. We're I short know. healthcare staff. We're, they have all these special programs because there's not enough rural doctors. So you got a doctor out in Podunk, Idaho, or out in the sticks of you know Republic or Colville or or Omac, and they're pretty small communities, and you don't have a specialist there that can offer that kind of healthcare. What what do you do with the mandates? Yeah, you bet, man. See, you, you start looking at all this, and that, that's just more regulatory garbage that small entities that are serving a small community have to jump through hoops to say, look, we can't do this kind of service because we got two doctors in town. Yeah, we do have a doctor that does that, but mostly what he does is castrate goats. <laughs> yes, He's willing exactly. to do it, but he's got all his practices on goats. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds crazy, but you definitely speak some hard truth, man. You know, I, and, and it just amazes me that the these people are think, not thinking this stuff think through. Think about the rural transgender community. Oh, They're only word. doctors who worked on nothing but horses and goats. <laughs> so, well, I, I don't know. The whole thing's nuts. Our, we, we need to, like, replace our government. Just totally. Just top to bottom be like, all right, it's bankrupt. Start over. Fire all the CEOs. Let's start a new election. Start it over. Restart. Reboot. <laughs> You know, something else we're going to need to cover just, just because. Again, as I had mentioned earlier in the week, you know, we had Elon Musk ended up uh, releasing another trove, the second trove of uh, twits and, uh, or tweets, or tweaks. <laughs> Tweakers? I don't know. He ended up releasing another batch of stuff, and then there was a third batch of stuff. The second batch of stuff basically evolved around the shadow banning of conservatives and conservative talk. The third trove of tweets and emails that ended up getting released were to illustrate how Twitter's headshed, how their corporate leadership were coordinating the debarment of Trump from the platform. 
Right. Okay. So they're laying this stuff out. Just know that the Democrats did, in fact, fork over millions and millions of dollars to Jack Dorsey while he was the head of Twitter in order to make some of this stuff happen. Well, they forked it it over through lots of different channels. I don't know that it went directly to Dorsey because he was just the figurehead, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but of course. uh, But hey, you know, it's like, hey, Jack, you know, I mean, you you do this a little over here, and man, you're, you're sure to get in 50, 70, no. Let's call it $100 million worth of political advertising this cycle. Right. Okay, buddy? Well, that's the problem with that's all of how our they media. Do that. Well, we, we discussed that with Sulani Madsen from Bushman Review yeah. and an author that, you know, the media, whether you're in a red state or a blue state, is kind of a partner in elections because they gross so much advertising money from the politicians that have the most amount of money that they're, they're going to go in support of probably the politicians they're going to spend the most money in their newspaper or with their their TV ads or what have you. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have to do something in this country to take big tech, the media, a little bit out of our political process if we want to actually have elections that matter. Because right now all we have is basically the political ruling class, maybe the uniparty, if you want to call it that, is going to control elections into forever because they just buy them. Right. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars nationwide were spent on elections. And how much shift did we see? <laughs> Not much at all. Uh, pretty much the same political people yeah. are in the same places. All the incumbents are still there. Yeah. The only people that got replaced are the people that said, oh, I'm retiring or they died. Right. And about the only advantage that we ended up gaining through the midterms, I mean, again, by appearances only, folks, we are going to have to wait and see what the Republicans do in Congress next year, because you know as well as we that there are many times where the Republicans were in charge, and what did they do? They sat on their thumbs and didn't do a thing. Yeah, they, know? They, I mean, yeah, the way everybody's certainly... talking, this could very well be... What are you talking about, Mike? Uh, they did a tax The lame cut. ducking of the Biden administration with the Republicans right. controlling Congress. They but did again, a tax the, cut. the Congress have got to do something this time. They can't just say, oh, look what we did with the tax cut in the judiciary. Yeah, right. You know? Oh, we that got, ain't enough, dude. That ain't enough. Of, you better, you better, don't take that vacation next month for a whole month. Right. You look, need to get back look, there uh, to the Capitol and, and work on behalf of the look citizens. Look at what the far left has gotten accomplished. Look at the list of things and how far they've taken the country. The far left, it's not even the whole Democratic Party, it's just the extreme far left. Look at how many things they accomplished yep. in the last few years. The Republicans. And independents and just basic people out there are wanting government to stop destroying our country because we're all paying that price, whether it's our utility bills or in higher taxes, the inflation, all of those things. I don't think that meeting him at the 40 yard line is going to do it. <laughs> no kidding. That's going to do it. But, you know, I guess it will. And it has worked for the, the ruling class because they just spend tons of money. And then when you're uninformed voters pull out their ballots and they look at all the names they just go through oh, i don't recognize that name i don't recognize that name right oh, mitch mcconnell was he a baseball player <laughs> i don't know but i recognize his name let's vote for that guy so that's how it works yeah you betcha man all right ladies and gentlemen before we head out the door for the weekend i just wanted to serve up one that i thought was extremely amusing here's your headline piers morgan savagely eats a juicy steak while interviewing a vegan protester saying i love eating steak 
Now, Pierce Morgan <laughs> recently interviewed a vegan activist while eating a delicious steak. This is on air during the interview, man. On the latest episode That's of good. his show, Piers Morgan Uncensored. Morgan interviewed a vegan activist whose group, Animal Rebellion, protested inside the Nusser at Steakhouse in London, which is owned by the Turkish restaurateur known as Salt Bay. The broader points that Morgan sought to address were the nutrition side effects of abandoning animal byproducts and why aggressive vegan protesters think intentionally interrupting restaurants is acceptable. The interview, however, went immediately off the rails. He says, I don't like vegans very much. I don't think any of you are very healthy, Morgan told the Animal Rebellion (laughs) spokesperson, Nathan McGlovern. I'm not surprised by that, Piers, McGovern responded. I think you all look pretty pasty-faced and unhealthy to me. But that's your choice, Morgan fired back. What I don't do is I don't go running into vegan restaurants and start screaming abuse at you all and have to be pulled out by people because you're ruining everybody's fun. Why do you do that to meat eaters, he said. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, that's where our listeners can say, what soy you? <laughs> no doubt. Are you, are you going to go buy soy or steak? Well, I think with the rise of food costs, we're probably going to be looking at hamburgers and hot dogs. There you go. But uh, it, hopefully, hopefully it's tasty, a lot tastier than a soy burger. Oh, there you go. And that's coming up, Tim. All you it fathers is. and grandfathers out there, gather up family, glorify and praise God. Give the family a great big hug and a kiss. Remind them you love them a lot. Take them somewhere nice and warm this weekend. Mike and Tim, we will see you on Monday. Bye-bye.